Yeah! At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Hey, really quick before the episode gets started, I just wanted to thank Mike for coming on tonight. Um, this is the dreaded political episode. Uh, the election is Tuesday. It is currently Sunday, uh, November the 1st. What we done was we broke down the current political climate and media bias, right? So there's no pro-Trump, there, there's no pro-Biden conversation going on here. Uh, we are just breaking down media bias and a little bit of the political climate going into, uh, or excuse me, leaving 2020, but entering into the 2020 election. Um, I think that you guys, if you just give this episode a shot and you don't skip over it, you'll actually really enjoy it. Uh, Mike's a very cool guy, a very insightful guy with a lot of knowledge. Um, go check out his podcast. It's called Adding Context. It's available anywhere podcasts can be found. And also check out mine and my brother's new podcast, The Weekly Forecast, also available anywhere podcasts can be found. Um, it's a nice little change of pace for us. We're answering calls answering letters um and it's it's just absolutely fun it's hilarious uh go check it out right now we're on spotify the weekly forecast and i will link it uh below uh before i let you guys go the phone number right for the voicemail bank for the takedown and for uh the weekly forecast is 502-694-0749 it's a louisville kentucky phone number Please call, ask advice, ask a question, maybe just call and rant about your day. Um, but we'll put you on there. We'll give you a nice little shout out. And uh, it makes the episodes fun. So keep those calls coming in. Uh, once again, thank you to Mike. And go check out mine and my brother's new podcast, The Weekly Forecast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Takedown. As always, brought to you by Phone Soap. Go to phonesoap.com and use the code TAKEDOWN for 20% off. Uh, also brought to you by quicksesh.io, fixing all of your computer issues. Uh, today's guest is a very fun one, actually. He is a uh, retired police officer, uh, an active EMT. He is also an award-winning producer, a background actor, <laughs> And a fellow podcaster. What is up, Mike Ballanton? Did I get that right? Close enough. Actually, yeah, pretty good, pretty on point. Oh, sweet. <clears throat> What's up, man? Not much. Just uh, you know, trying to get through the daisies with all the insanity going on. There's a lot of insanity <clears throat> going on, and, and for about the next week or so, it's going to be at the the height of <laughs> insanity. I think it's it's going to be an interesting week. <laughs> um, whenever whenever me and you were. Uh, Whenever we first became in contact with each other, I scrolled through your uh, Reddit history because um, I like to do like a little bit of research on who I'm, uh, you know, who I'm getting on and make sure that uh, morally I'm comfortable with bringing somebody on because I don't want to give somebody a platform that's a uh, just has a bad rap, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and I really like this post that you put on Dark Web Reddit. It says, "Are we canceling American history?" And I read your post. I absolutely love the, like the message that you're saying. Could you kind of give me a little bit of the insight behind that post? Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said in that because I, I posted that probably 119 what, days ago. Not that I'm yeah. stalking you or anything. <laughs> it's been a few months. Um, I, I think it was a matter of at the time there was a lot of outrage. It's when there was you know 
taken down statues, which uh, I'll put it, I have no problem with the removal of the Confederate statues. I, I don't think that they were ever, should have been erected to begin with because it was kind of a, a reminder of the really bad side of our history. Um, most of the Confederate um, leaders and stuff like that were were racist. They were slave owners, and and that's clearly not something we want to remember people for. Um, you know, they they were very big advocates for the succession and and for trying to create their own nation. And you know, they lost the war, and that's kind of where we should have left it. Um, I think we had a really big opportunity after the war war to move in the right direction. I think a lot of things moved in the right direction, but clearly not far enough. So I think when I posted that, it was a matter of um, statues being taken down. There was a lot of people kind of going back through history and, you know, judging people and great historical figures that by and large overwhelmingly did very, made very big strides and contributions to the, the nation. And they kind of were cherry picking some of the bad aspects of it and with the whole cancel culture of everything going on I just like you know you're you're knocking George uh, Washington you're, you're knocking this one you're knocking that one and absolutely from our perspective and our hindsight in 2020 ironically um, you can definitely judge all throughout history of you know that was wrong that was bad you know we shouldn't have done that um, but you have to also put things in context and, and for what things were at the time and, and the norms, not to say they were right, because like I said, we can look back at it and go, yeah, from our perspective, that, that was clearly not the right way to do things, but to kind of cancel them out entirely because of a perspective they had or, or thought they, they had or, or some of their actions weren't exactly the most um, morally positive position to take, yeah. especially given our, our current view. Um, to try and discredit them entirely, I just, I really didn't agree with that. <clears throat> I, uh, I read your post, and it's very, uh, it's very glitch in the matrix, almost, that I read your post today, because... Um, today I was brought to um, a tweet, right? Somebody had linked it to me, and then I started kind of reading into it. There's a woman named Samantha Marica, or Marika. I'm not really sure how to pronounce her last name, and I apologize if I am mispronouncing it. Um, but she is a uh, Instagram celebrity uh, and a Twitter uh, Twitter personality, whatever you want to call these these people, right? Um, and so she posted a video uh, on Halloween. And the video is of her. Um, she has uh, prosthetic makeup to where her mouth is sewn shut. You, you know what I'm talking about? The yeah. You know how people can do the, the crazy makeup. <coughs> and she is wearing a t-shirt, um, a black t-shirt with a like an eye inside of a triangle uh, on top of a computer screen. And it said, "Big Tech is always watching you." And she has a. Uh, an American flag bow tie and a, like an Uncle Sam kind of top hat, you know, with the American flag yeah. on it. And it says, remember, this Halloween, the scariest thing that you can be is a silenced American. Big Tech is watching you. 
Happy Halloween. That was the that was the post, right? So then one day later, uh, her Instagram is wiped completely clean. It's deleted. Uh, she cannot log into it. There's no, I mean, no record that it even existed. Huh. Uh, so w- the thing with these these uh, Instagram and Twitter personalities is they have multiple accounts. They have a, a quote unquote backup account for things like this. If they post something like a bikini uh, picture and it gets reported for nudity, you know, right. they, they have a background or a, a backup account. <clears throat> so she goes to her backup account and she's trying to figure out why her her account has been deleted. So she posts the exact same photo with the exact same caption. And in less than three hours, that account is suspended and taken down. Huh. And so it kind of, when I read your thing uh, about cancel culture, and then I seen this, I mean, it almost kind of goes hand in hand, right? Where there's this very thin line that celebrities, uh, personalities, public figures can walk to where now it almost seems like, and I'm not, I'm not comparing this woman to uh, any one of um, a Confederate back, back view or, or anything like that, but I'm just, I'm just saying that it's almost like these voices who come out and they differ with the, um, let's say, the mass, uh, the mass group of, of individuals, right, of, of Americans. They tend to be silenced nine times out of ten more than than uh i guess liberal viewpoints right Right. um so it's just very crazy to me that i seen this post and i and i seen her story and she has a twitter account that was was untouched so she's actually on twitter speaking uh about this situation if anybody wants to go follow her it is samantha marica that's m-a-r-i-k-a one like just the, the number one um where she's posting about it and she in her in her tagline it says just another black female conservative she is a um, a woman of color who has a conservative viewpoint, and she's under the impression that her viewpoint is the reason that that her post was taken down. Um, so to circle back around with like cancel culture and and, and whatnot, um, <coughs> you're seeing a lot of people want to take these statues down, which I 100% agree with you. I don't think they should have been erected in the first place. These Confederate statues, and I'm from a town in Virginia, a small town in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, where we have a lot of Confederate War um, like sites and a lot of Confederate War battlegrounds and, and shit all around the area, um, but I don't I don't agree with these statues being put up in the first place. But when people start attacking these statues, you're right. They then they start attacking the likes of George Washington, uh, Abraham Lincoln, like these founding fathers. Right. Um, but the, the the thing that I'm bringing to you, I guess, is is the fact that now. Um, it's a lot of different voices that are being silenced, and it, and it just tends to be these voices that don't always line up with the the liberal America. I right? Guess. Does that make sense? It, it does, and and I think there's a there's a number of things to unpack from from what you were saying. Uh, one is, is social media in general. Um, it, it's an interesting cross-section of of society and i won't say america because it's clearly it's 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 global so it's it's not just an american thing but you know you have people that are doing some really outlandish things just for the sake of being liked um you know they're they're saying things or some of their actions are, are pretty off the wall um all for a popularity contest 
and I don't think that that's kind of the way people should be admired. I mean, if you have a talent, you have a talent. That's one thing. But, you know, I, I kind of have some issues with the, the various social media forms. Um, on the level of, of censorship and thing going, things going on, you know, there there are a lot of conservative or Republican voices that are being stifled and, and censored and their contents being blocked or, or whatever. And part of it, I think, has to do with the fact that, and I, I do specifically use the word fact because I think you can back, I can back this up if I pulled off enough examples. There's the overwhelming fact that at least in American politics and looking specifically at the Republican Party, their tactics for winning elections seems to hinge a lot on misinformation, disinformation, and pushing things out there that are just not true. So with understanding that that was a big part of the 2016 election, you know, their these social media accounts and companies are trying to do what they can to mitigate the spread of lies and the misinformation and things like that. So, you know, if you're spreading lies and you're getting called on it, you can't complain and, and play the victim card. And I think that's what some of the Republican candidates are doing with, you know, the, the screaming that the conservatives' um, new stuff is being stifled and censored. You know, I think one of the big things is with uh, Hunter Biden, there was a story that broke with him in a laptop and it kind of fell to pieces and a lot of news sites didn't run with it for the simple fact that, you know, it wasn't vetted. It was kind of questionable, and they felt that it wasn't, it didn't meet the threshold of, of being legit news, so they didn't pass with it. <clears throat> and the conservatives are saying, well, you're just catering to the liberal media. And, and I, I find that hard to believe um, because of that fact, because they've kind of relied on lies and, and spreading misinformation and things like that. Um, and with trying, especially giving the importance of this election on Tuesday for president, you know, on one hand, you have somebody who's, yes, he's a lifetime uh, politician and he has probably never really held a, a real job other than being in politics. And then on the other hand, you've got somebody who has literally spent the last four years being very arrogant, boastful, ignorant, and, I mean, almost a, a factory of misinformation. So for the social media companies, Facebook and Twitter and, and things like that, to kind of take the stand and say, look, we're, we're going to do our best to, to mitigate the amount of bad information that's, that's out there leading up to the election and about the election and about the coronavirus and things like that, it's it is hard for them to do that, but I understand and I, I kind of support them for trying to unmuddy the waters. I guess you if think, any of that makes sense. <laughs> do you think that's what it is? Is is them trying to uh, lead by a better example, or do you uh, do you think that there is almost like a bias going on? Uh, 
not even uh, not even in Washington, but in media in general. Well, I, I'm not a big fan of of main the main media, and, and I hate to use the strain the the term mainstream media, and I'm not bashing on the mainstream media because that's kind of the thing to do, but it's it's really hard in America these days to find the news of just facts. You know that if you turn on Fox, you're going to have the right slant to it. You know if you turn CNN, you're going to get the left slant to it. Um, a handful of other stations that if you turn on, you, you know you're going to get a spin to it. And I, I don't like the fact that I have to go to the BBC or to foreign news sources to get a better unbiased perspective or at least a less obnoxious and obvious bias to the facts of going on in our country. And you know, we should be able to turn on our news outlets and them say, here are the facts, you know, go back to Cronkite and, you know, here's the news. Have a good night. Um, I, I really have problems with the 24 hour news cycle. I think that's been more of a problem than, than anything else, because now you have people with little to no background in things being called experts, um, really being nothing more than mouthpieces to, and again, this goes to both sides, Democrats and Republicans, um, you know, just spreading misinformation and, and it's, it's, they chalk it up to, well, they're, the other side's doing it. So you have to hear our side. Well, no, if your side is false, then I don't need to hear your side. Do you think when it comes right down to it, do you think that um, do you I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question I can't I can't I can't really find the words to to get it out do you think that um, I guess these people Lord I really don't know how to how to ask this do you think the people that um, are in the media? Right? Do you think that they're trying to almost give it a spin that would favor them? Or do you think that they are truthfully trying to give the absolute facts as they come out and not uh, not bullshit, I guess? Uh, or, or sadly. Think, or do you think it's like a, a field that's kind of like a no man's land where it kind of anything goes? <clears throat> so one of the people that I had on my – actually, the first episode that I released of my podcast um, – was a professor of journalism. Um, her name is Dr. Lori Latimer Volkman. Uh, phenomenal, intelligent, fun lady to chat with. Say that um, name five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I kind of point blank asked her in our conversation about you know what I feel is the lack of journalistic integrity anymore, um, and, and she kind of gave me a little pushback if I remember correctly that you know she thinks that it's there but it's just it's harder to to see with with everything going on. Um, I, I do think that our journalism, journalists lack integrity for the most part, not all of them. Um, I, I hate using blanket labels and, and absolutes. Um, but by and large, the, the big media companies, I think, are absolutely biased. So when they put something out, I think they're absolutely putting a spin on it to... One to draw in ratings, to get uh, a reaction. To two to get a reaction. You know, the the more bigger reaction, the more ratings they're going to get. Um, and you know, in some cases, it turns into you know who gets the last word in on a given topic. 
you know, it's the left side or the right side when we're talking about the politics of things. Um, so it's, I think to answer your question, I do think that there's a lot of disingenuous reporting going on. Just go ahead and call it what it is. It's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's, there's too much bullshit. And, and that's the problem is when you try and look for the objective truth in things, there's so much bullshit out there. You don't know if you're sifting through mud, silt, or shit. That is very true. I, uh, I'm from a very small, small backwoods town, and there's a saying that if you throw a diamond in a river, you're going to find it a hundred times before you actually find it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Let me ask you this, and feel, <coughs> feel free to really think on this for, for a moment, and I'm not trying to put you on any sort of spot or anything. Um, if you take uh, bias media out of the equation... Is Donald Trump still an asshole to 99% of America? Uh, I don't need to think long on that. I think absolutely <laughs> yes. And that's that's one of the problems that I kind of have. I have friends that you know are supporters of his. And you know, I, I've been thinking about how to put this in the right context and the right phrasing. You know, our job as parents is to teach our kids you know, good values to grow up to be good people. And I'm I'm really questioning what people see in Trump that is anything representative of a decent human being. I think he's shown time and time again, especially over the last four years, just how horrible of an example he is as a human. Whether the way he treats people, the way he talks to people, the way he talks about people... Um, He's a raging hypocrite. He's a, a, a what was the term that I used? <clears throat> Prolific liar. Um, you know, he's he's set records that really are not records to be happy to be holder holding of. Um, proudly wave around. He he seems it seems that he feeds off of you know the bigger asshole he is the happier he is. And he doesn't seem to comprehend the impact that his words carry. And and I have I have a problem with people who are in positions of authority, whether you're an athlete, whether you're an entertainer, whether you're a politician. In my opinion, you have a responsibility to be truthful and honest with what you say because of the effect that you have on people and the influence you have on people. So to sit up and and just proudly boast the shit that comes out of his mouth, whether it be about COVID, whether it be about immigrants, whether it be about anything, you know, he's, I think he's told over 20,000 lies in the four years that he's been in office. I think that averages something like 16 to 20 lies a day, which is just, it's absurd that, that anybody could be admired and idolized the way he is when you can't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. And I'm not the type of person that, that looks at his administration and says everything they've done has been bad. Um, I think you can say that for 95 to 99% of what he's done and his administration's done. But 
I always try and look at things from the objective perspective. Um, I definitely see myself more as a center-lined uh, centrist uh, when it comes to politics because I think both sides, <clears throat> I think they're both equally bad uh, for the country because they constantly push this divisive rhetoric. Both sides do. And we don't need that. We need... Solidarity. We need solidarity. We need unity. We need to show that we're truly in this together as a country, especially given the pandemic. Um, But when you have somebody whose title is, whether it's done in, in jest or not, is the most powerful man in the in the world um, he has every responsibility every right to to put things out that are truthful and he clearly doesn't do that um, with okay so I'm gonna flip that question uh, with the with the exact same terminology that I used beforehand, right? Uh, the media, uh, I guess, putting this image on Trump. Do you think that if you took media bias out of the equation, that Joe Biden would still be, um, I guess, a qualified candidate for presidency? Um, I think that depends on what you're seeing as being qualified. You know, does he have the political background? Absolutely. Um, I think he is more qualified than <clears throat> than Trump in pretty much every facet. Um, but I don't think he was the most qualified candidate that was vying for the Democratic ticket. Can, um, before before we maybe move on from that, do you think that the Democrats shot themselves in the foot by, uh, I guess, by choosing Joe Biden? Um, over, uh, I, I see a lot of parallels between this election and the one four years ago. They kind of shoved Bernie. a candidate down people's throats. They shoved Bernie out of the, the equation twice now. Which if, you, <clears throat> yeah. if you ask me with no political background whatsoever other than my uh, two, two or th- maybe three day stint as a uh, <laughs> as a a man running for mayor. Um, <laughs> to me, it seemed like Bernie Sanders has a huge following, like almost like a cult-like following, and they've they've shoved him out of the equation twice now, and they put up crooked Hillary, and now uh, <laughs> and now what is what is Trump calling Sleepy Joe? Yeah, uh, I, I'm. I, I the problem I had in 2016 was I felt both were horrific candidates, and then you had the big bomb dropped at the DNC where they pretty much said, yeah, we completely fucked over um, Bernie, but you know what? We don't care. It is what it is. Nobody's going to get in trouble for it. I think that was one of the number of factors that caused Trump to be elected. I think there were a significant number of people who would have voted for the Democrats, but because of their brazen attitude towards acknowledging the fact that they truly screwed over a candidate legitimately pissed off a lot of people. And I think that combined with a number of other factors is why we've had the last four years that we've had. 
with Biden, <clears throat> like I said, he's got the political clout. He's got the political experience. He was a vice president for eight years. He knows what the job entails. Do I think that the media bias towards him and everything would deter or, or alter that in any way? Not really, because of his background. Again, I still don't think he is the best candidate. Are you a conspiracy theorist of any sort? Not really. Do you, uh, <laughs> I mean... Go ahead. <clears throat> there, there's things that you kind of look at through a skeptical lens and go, you know, could that be? But I, I try and vet out any of the, the main, the big conspiracies... And if it's if I if I start feeling that I'm going down that rabbit hole of just utter nonsense and it's just too far, it, it takes too much for it to make sense. Then I kind of chalk it up to as just that a, a conspiracy theory. Do you uh, do you follow PizzaGate or um, have you read into PizzaGate? I guess not really. Not really. I think uh, okay. Have you heard of QAnon? Yes. Okay. Where are we sitting on that? Um, I think it's a bunch of lunatics trying to do anything and everything they can to keep their false idol in in, in office. Uh, so the thing with QAnon is QAnon ties in a lot with Pizzagate. And Pizzagate I actually believe in. Uh, Pizzagate is this theory that a lot of politicians, uh, and it leans more towards Democrats, but there have been some Republicans also tied to it. Um, that these people were essentially working with uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell in the buying and selling and uh, pedophilia of, of younger children. Right. Uh, which is what Pizzagate somewhat revolves around. And if you, if you read into uh, the WikiLeaks uh, emails of Hillary Clinton's, uh, you know, John Podesta, a lot of this stuff does not make sense. And I'm... I'm very grateful that Trump won in 2016 because I, I absolutely cannot stand Hillary or Bill Clinton for that matter. Yeah. Uh, just based on independent research that I've done on my own, plus the WikiLeaks articles, plus just um, there's been numerous uh, recordings and videos of them, I guess, in quote-unquote private. And I don't like how they conduct themselves in private, almost like they're better than everybody in the room. and, and Right. You know. Uh, so I was very glad that Trump won in 2016. I'm not going to lie. I, I even voted for the guy in 2016. When it comes to the 2020 election, I think that there's so many weird factors coming into this election. Um, to me, I, I don't want Joe Biden to win just because I don't think he makes it six months into presidency. Uh, because that guy, is he's definitely a little, uh, and I hate to use this term, a little unhinged. <laughs> right, he he seems like he, and I guess it's it's almost like the media painting this this picture that oh Joe has dementia or oh Joe showing signs of, of uh of Alzheimer's, but to me like it kind of seems like that could be could be true, and I kind of uh, I, I do not like Kamala Harris for the way that she treated inmates in California. There's a lot of problems that I have with Kamala Harris's record. Yes, um, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page here. She's, it's it's pretty easy to track down that she's been charged or there was complaints of malicious litigation and prosecution uh, levied against her. There's, 
I'm all for having anybody that's qualified in office. And I think it's kind of time where we need to start vetting the quality of candidates, the quality of people that we have as candidates nowadays. Um, and the problem with the Democrats is they're, they're clearly pushing an agenda of, well, these are people that have, quote unquote, put their time in. You know, it, it's it's their time. I think that was one of the phrases that I heard in 2016 regarding uh, Hillary was, it's her time. Well, no, her her husband was president. She doesn't get a time. Um, with Camilla Harris, I, I'm not a big fan of hers because her record is not as polished as the left is making it out to be. Absolutely. Um, at the same time, though, because I'm an independent, registered independent, because I look at things from a center perspective, I'm always looking for the best candidate, and I'm tired of looking for or having to choose between the lesser two evils. Unfortunately, I don't think the country can really handle another four years of Trump. For a number of reasons. I mean, and a lot of it comes down to the fact that he's completely mishandled information. You know, he's just, I have a very big problem with his demeanor as president. You know, he might, there's just too many things that he boasts about that are just patently wrong or false. And, and I'm not saying that Biden is polished and and perfect or in any way shape or form but unfortunately i think one of the best things our country can do right now is remove the lunatic from the office because you can look at his tweets and see that there's clear textbook definitions of neurological issues with him you know he's he's absolutely a narcissist there's no other way to, to describe some of his actions other than cla classic textbook narcissism. Um, there's stories that come out that the only way to keep his attention in any of the news briefs is to make sure that he sees his name in, you know, whatever text he's reading, you know, frequently to keep his attention. Whether that's truthful or not, I don't know. But when you also have a lot of people who... <clears throat> have worked for him that come out and said, yeah, he's not a great guy. You know, they have that firsthand knowledge. Now, granted, they could absolutely be <clears throat> angry or, or something along those lines. But for a candidate who preaches about law and order, it's clearly hypocritical when I think the last kind I saw a week or two ago was that there's somewhere in the ballpark of 200 to 215 people that have been <clears throat> linked to him or worked for him while in the White House, whether it's a cabinet position or otherwise, that have either been charged and or convicted of crimes. 216 people in three and a half, four years is an insane number. It, it actually beat out, I believe, Richard Nixon's number, which was 
Uh, what was the number I saw for him? Around 100, maybe. I could be misspeaking that, and if that's the case, I apologize. But you have somebody that, that preaches law and order, and we need law and order, and we need law and order. But he clearly doesn't think that he, it applies to him. And that goes well before he became president. But specifically, since president, since he's been president, you know, you've got a significantly high number of people that are breaking the law. They were caught breaking the law. They're now being prosecuted or have been prosecuted for breaking the law. So to have somebody that blatantly hypocritical is is problematic to me. You know, now the stuff that's come out recently in the last month or so about his taxes and and how in debt he is, you know, it could definitely be construed that he is a you know, a, a national security threat with depending upon who he owes his money to. So there's just a lot of stuff that's out there about him. Um, and a lot of it is self-inflicted. You know, he, he boasts about things and he opens his mouth about a lot of things. And I think if he laid off Twitter, his presidency wouldn't be looked upon so negatively. I, uh, I'm somebody who, um, when I was 18, I became uh, friends with a group of people who were working to get the first libertarian governor uh, in uh, in office in Virginia. Uh, so since I was 18, I've, I've been very libertarian. Right. Um, and then the Trump-Hillary uh, election came up, and our libertarian candidate was Gary Johnson. I voted for him. <laughs> did you? I I did. <laughs> I I wanted to so bad, but the media portrays this. Um, they portray this idea that third party cannot win, and that you are quote unquote like wasting a vote. And so yep. eight, you know, young me, uh, young me fell right for it. You know, I I took the bait. I fell for it. Um, this election, I absolutely love Joe Jorgensen. Uh, I voted for her and her and Spike, and I I'm very I almost wish that you could pick two, you know what I well, mean? Like I we wish... should have the ranked choice. I think if we had ranked choice, you would have um, a greater option of, of better candidates coming to the top it's because you know then people would be able to say you know Joe Jorgensen, Biden, and then Trump or, or whatever combination they want. It, it gives people a a, a greater Makes you feel way to the vote, right? And and I, I part of the, my problem with both sides is the only time they seem to work together is when they're fucking everybody, everybody else for that matter. So they only come together to work well and play nice when they're trying to screw over third parties. I think the <clears throat> the big thing that screwed up Gary Johnson was his initial response to. You know, what are your what was your thought or what's your thought about what's going on with Aleppo? And he couldn't recall immediately what Aleppo was. I don't think ninety percent of the country would be able to recall where or what Aleppo is or was at in that situation. And they created this mentality that oh well, he's got no clue what's going on. But if you look at his record, you know, uh, what was it New Mexico or Arizona he was the governor of? Uh, Sorry, I'm I'm trying to find. Um, there was an article that <clears throat> I pulled up earlier about Joe Jorgensen. I was trying to pull it up. I was listening to you, but I, <laughs> I I'm also trying to think of where Gary Johnson. Uh, 
but they just made him look bad off of you know it was one bad thing but if you looked at his actual record new mexico he, sorry he did a great job as governor so you know it was this one little thing and then he was just white he was washed out that one little hiccup and he was washed out and that was a media thing that was, i kind of see that as like a media character assassination <clears throat> and yes there's there is the the push notion that you know a vote for a third party is a wasted vote and and i really have have problems with that i do as well i i absolutely hate that that narrative i'm trying to find the post that i uh, was reading earlier um it was from joe jorgensen's uh campaign she's apparently leading the polls in quite a few states right now good for her uh early voting yeah i was trying to find i think it was texas alaska i don't want to misconstrue uh, anything that's why i was trying to find the fucking post i can't even find it uh it's it, it was like alaska texas and i believe maybe wyoming or maybe minnesota something like that um yeah the li- libertarians are, are really coming out in full force this for this election they really are and that, that's <clears throat> what i'm saying i i wish that you could do like a ranked uh like a ranked system because i like i said i i'm a very thoughtful person and i um, I truly want what's best for our nation. And even though Trump is a complete dickbag, I think I would still vote for him over Joe Biden just because, like I said, I cannot see Joe Biden going six months into his into his presidency. And that's what really scares me. Uh, I voted for Joe Jorgensen, though, and I feel very comfortable with that vote. But I'm really hoping we can get rid of this two-party system because it's truly... Uh, it, it's garbage. The only... Yeah. Only two people are quote unquote qualified enough to uh, to run a country. That's just that's so crazy to me. Well, the, the funny thing is, is you know, the federal election commission is controlled by the two parties, and right there, if, if people don't see that as an absolute, the absolute epitome of a conflict of interest for fair elections, I I, I don't know what is more clear of an example of that they literally control the game and a perfect example is you go back to ross perot he really threatened and i mean a lot of people think that he was the reason why um clinton first won and immediately after that after those debates in that election the two parties got together and said all right well now you're gonna have to poll on at least 10%, I think it is, on five national polls. And, you know, they just constantly up the bar while controlling everything else. And if you don't see that as being a problem that needs to be addressed and and see that we need a nonpartisan organization controlling the elections, you're drinking a little too much of the Kool-Aid.
Oh my gosh, I was I was muted this entire time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was talking and I I didn't think that you. Uh, I, I was like maybe he's googling because I w- I was saying Ross Perot passed away sadly last year, but before yeah. him, um, or I'm sorry, before Joe Jorgensen, no third party uh, really threatened the two party system. Uh, I mean, <coughs> Ross Perot was that guy, and I, right. was, I was trying to think of the year, and I was doing the quick math in my head. I said '93, but it was '92. '92. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was old enough to remember that. Um, I wasn't quite an old, old enough to vote, but I, I definitely remember that. And, and you know, he was he was an awesome candidate for the fact that it was all his money, and it was his ideas. He wasn't controlled. He was like the first person that portrayed themselves to be not of politics and, and not yeah. your typical politician you know, as, as trump classically boasts a lot you know the first one was was perot and and when he got and as far as he did and he got the popularity that he did and the amount of votes that he did he shook the sh- both the parties to their foundations um so yeah I, i've I, there's a lot of things i'm big on reform um i think our country needs massive amounts of reform just to kind of recenter and rebalance itself. Um, but politically, you know, we definitely need campaign finance reform. We need election reform. There, there's things I can rattle on and on about ways that we can tweak to make it truly what our founding fathers wanted it to be. And two-party system was not one of them. Well, and, I, and I completely did not mean to throw you in the box, and we've now got we've, we're now forty four minutes in, and, and all we've talked about is politics. I did not mean to spring that on you whatsoever. No worries. Uh, but I definitely felt comfortable speaking uh, about this situation with you, and, and like I said, I, I voted Joe Jorgensen. I really, uh, you know, I really think she's got a, a really good chance this year, and I really think that even if she doesn't win, it's going to be almost like a wake up for a lot of people. Uh, I think the last four to six years is starting that process. It's kind of like the country's wiping the sand out of their eyes and going, you know, they're doing that little bit of eye rub and squinting going, am I really seeing what I'm seeing? And opening up to the idea of maybe the two parties aren't the way to go. Um, I was just talking to a gentleman uh, last week, actually, this is most of a recent podcast, and we were talking about the possibility of the two parties fracturing based off the results of the election. You know, it could be a very good thing for the country if we start getting the factions and not have two parties anymore. So, uh, and that podcast for anybody that's curious is called adding context. If you type it in on Apple podcasts is the very first result. Uh, very good podcast. You had uh, we were talking before before we went live. Uh, you had a woman named Marianne who is the uh, she was the very first uh, female master distiller, correct? Since prohibition, have to make sure you get through that disclaimer disclaimer because you know they didn't keep records before prohibition. But yeah, she's the uh, Marianne Eves, um, awesome, awesome, brilliant lady to talk to. Uh, but yeah, she's the first master bourbon distiller since Prohibition. Very, very interesting podcast. Uh, I definitely I followed it on uh, on Apple, so I can I can start getting the uh, the episodes. Um, Appreciate that, <laughs> Mike. Let me ask you this. Feel free to not answer if you do not feel comfortable. 
No matter the outcome of the election, do you think that there will be fallout as a country? Like, like, do you think that we could potentially uh, be looking at maybe a second civil war here? I don't think it'll get that far, regardless of who wins. Um, I, I do think and I hope that level cooler heads prevail. Um, it's definitely, and again, it's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of either candidate. They, they both have their ways of, of being divisive. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to get too crazy, but again, I, I don't put anything past anybody these days. Um, I, uh. I don't know what to think about this election, man. It's so crazy. It's it's happening in two days, and that's it. Almost makes you, uh, it almost gives you like an anxiety, doesn't it? Yeah, because typically, I mean, we've never had a declared winner without the one candidate bowing out because they kind of see the writing on the wall on election night. Um, so it's typically we have to wait a day or two to kind of really see where things are. Um, I, I think this might be drug out for the next few weeks, unfortunately. <clears throat> I, uh, before we move on, I, I usually, I've started this new segment. I have a phone number for the podcast where people uh, can call in and they can ask me questions or they can leave rants and raves uh, they can they can get something off their chest, etc., and I answer it on air, uh, right? So that phone number for anybody curious is five zero two six nine four zero seven four nine. It's a Louisville, Kentucky phone number. Uh, Mike, I have a I had a question come in. Or I don't even really know if this is a question, um, but I think you're the perfect guy for it. So are you are you cool if I if I play that? Absolutely. Alrighty. And this gentleman did not leave a name, but we're just going to jump right in here. Make sure the volume is up. All right. Hello. Is this the, the takedown with Josh Thomas? First of all, let me just say, huge fan of your show. I've been a fan since day one. However, I've recently come across a tremendous issues you see here in my small town in Vermont. Me and my good friends recently went out to a dinner, and we had a fantastic dinner. However, the slight issue, when we decided to order the mozzarella sticks, right, we came to the agreement that the top 12% of people would pay for the mozzarella sticks. However, <laughs> there recently came across a very disturbing revelation when we realize only 25% of us would currently be eating the mozzarella sticks. Now, however, this raises the very important question. Who is paying for the 45% of the bill that was added by the mozzarella sticks? <laughs> when, including a tip of 18%, how do we best inflate the current price? <laughs> Based on inflation, by the way, there is currently a huge, huge economic, economic crisis. Um, it sounded like Bernie Sanders, didn't it? Sounded a lot like Bernie. Um, my and my wife and I talk about this periodically. Um, our our thought process when you go out with a large group of people, 
the best and easiest way to um, divvy up the check at the end of the night, so to speak, is count up how many people are there and divide the total check. It's just Everybody's everybody, paying. everybody puts money. Unless somebody is sitting there, you know, clearly banging down drinks and, and clearly weighing the, uh, you know, running up the tab, so to speak. You know, everybody's ordering a, a, a meal, you know, a drink or two and relaxing. Just split the bill. Put 20% tip and split the bill. You're not evenly. worried about the inflation? <laughs> uh, no, no. I think usually the 20 25% tip kind of covers the inflation. This uh, this fella had a, a question, and I, I appreciate the call. I'm going to call him Mr. Sanders. Uh, not sure about Bernie Sanders. It might have been Colonel Sanders. but Could be. Uh, thank you for your call, and the line is always open. Uh, it's 502-694-0749. Uh, I really appreciate that call. That was pretty sweet. Um, so reading... Uh, reading the bio about you that I that I did and then kind of doing some research on you I, I'm really interested in your podcast so how long have you had this podcast going and what kind of uh, what led to like the thought process of you starting the podcast so our first episode actually aired September 11th um, so we're barely two months in or just about two months in um, and it was something that I've been toying around with for probably the better part of four or five years, kind of since I was forced to retire <clears throat> from law enforcement. I was trying to find something to do. Um, there was a handful of podcasts that I really enjoyed, just the, the casual, relaxed conversation to it. Um, I've never been a fan of listening to myself recorded. I, I, I kind of really hate my voice. Um, so that was one of the biggest factors that really delayed me from doing it. Um, I finally just kind of said, Hey, I'm going to do this. And my brother was always like, okay, I'll help with you. Um, so he, he produces things for me. Um, I, I owe a, a huge amount of thanks to him because he's, he's really done a lot of the audio engineering for, it, uh, the editing for the, the final product that you hear. I kind of have the easy job of just finding people to talk to and talking to them. <clears throat> so he he definitely uh, carries the the bulk of the of the weight of the show. Um, but yeah, it's you know we're about two months in, and I'm just looking to have conversations with people of, of all walks of life, and you know hopefully we can. I believe one of the taglines that I've been using is you know it's about having the human experience and, and showing that we're more alike than we are different especially given a time of sound bites and the insane amount of devices in this that's going on. I like that. I like the, I like the description, uh, and the human experience is very, that's very cool. I got the human experience one time in a mosh pit. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was drunk as shit and, uh, I got clubbed, uh, in the head by Oof. the lead singer, uh, of the band that we were seeing live. Actually, he hit me with a microphone. Oh, so I think that was a pretty pretty human experience of me. Um, yeah, I, I've had one of those. I, I actually popped out of a pit with a dislocated shoulder. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. I think that was a Pantera show. Oh, man, I would have loved to have seen Pantera <laughs> with Dimebag back in the day. That was it was it was an awesome show. I forget who else was with them, but it was a bit of an insane pit. And and I love music of all all sorts. I, I mean, I have everything from Zac Brown to pantera to 
Stevie Ray Vaughan and Lindsey Sterling. It, it literally, I'll listen to anything. I'm the same way. I've been to like just as many like bluegrass and country concerts as I've been to, like metal concerts, and and I went to like a rap festival two years ago, which was pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I did. I was. Oh man, you had a pit, a cool pit experience if you had your shoulder <laughs> dislocated. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite raucous in there. <laughs> I have a I have a friend. She was standing front row for a concert, and a stage uh, or a crowd surfer kicked her in the back of the head unintentionally, Oof. knocked out uh, knocked out a front tooth. She had to get that oh. fixed on the fly in uh, some weird <clears throat> dentist in Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, you want to get that uh, that dressed kind of quick, otherwise uh, you, you can have some big problems um, <clears throat> and a lot of pain, not to mention. You mentioned September 11th a moment ago, and and I don't want to out where you live, but uh, you were a retired police officer uh, and an active EMT. Were you active as a police officer during uh, the September 11th attacks? Uh, No, I was only in law enforcement um, as a police officer for since 2005. Um, I was dispatching for a long for the police department that I became a police officer at, um, at that time, but I've been active as an EMT since 1992. So I've, I kind of, my experience with, you know, being a first responder for 9-11 was from the EMS aspect of it. If you don't mind, what was that like? Um, like, surreal. I can, I can just imagine like, hundred different radios going in every direction uh you know telephones ringing like i imagine it was very chaotic um i i mean i remember that quite vividly there there's a few incidents in my life that i remember you know just very vividly and very clearly um i'd worked the night before I was still living at home. My mother came in and told me that a plane just crashed into one of the Twin Towers. I turned on the TV just in time to see the second plane crash. Um, I immediately ran down to my squad to kind of figure out, you know, proximity to where we are. Um, I'm only about a 45-minute ride from New York City, so I I had a feeling that we were going to be sending resources up there. So my job when I wasn't at work work uh, as a dispatcher was to kind of help facilitate getting some logistics and getting people the gear and equipment and stuff that they needed. Um, I never stepped foot on ground zero. Um, but you know, obviously I know a lot of people that, that spent some time up there. <clears throat> Truly, uh, and, and you know, thank you for your service, man, because that, uh, no matter where you were, uh, just being involved in that situation in general is very taxing mentally and physically. So I definitely thank you for your service, Mike. Um, and I didn't mean to like to, to bring up anything uh, uncomfortable or anything. No, 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 uh, not at all. I'm friends with a guy who used to be a truck driver, and he he was picking up something uh, coming south with it, and he said he was stuck on interstate for I think like a full 24 hours or something. Oh yeah, they uh, <laughs> they locked everything down. <clears throat> so crazy, very very crazy. Um, Post 9/11 America, it seems is. It feels safer in a lot of a lot of aspects, but it also uh, just knowing that like there is terror and like danger out there. I think it almost makes it feel less safe, knowing that something of that capacity can and will happen. I guess. Yeah, it's, I I don't think it's a matter of if it'll happen again. It's kind of like the whole thing with 
the pandemic. It was never a matter of if, but when. Um, I think our government's doing a decent job overall. Um, obviously, there's always room for improvement, and I don't know everything that's going on. I will never claim that I know everything that's going on because I'm not there. Um, but I think that overall, they've, they're doing a good job of keeping us safe and, and, and doing what they can to mitigate any possibility of that happening again. Um, I don't, I don't mean to abruptly jump subjects or anything. Um, no worries. Trust you, me. Uh, I have ADHD, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pack everything in. I, I could easily sit down and talk to you. I feel like for like days on end <laughs> and still not be completely satisfied. I just want to keep asking you questions. You have one of those, uh, one of those voices that's like made for podcasting. <laughs> Has anybody told you that? It's um, like I said, I, I hate hearing my voice, but that's one of the recurring uh, compliments that people have given me about the show is is my voice. So I'm kind of getting used to listening to myself. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I had your voice, I would not shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure my wife would disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were telling me you're a, you're a wrestling coach. I am. Do you, um, do you watch a lot of MMA? I do. I've been following UFC since 1993 and oh, UFC hell 1. Yeah. I'm, yeah, uh, yeah. I was kind of sad to see uh, Khabib retire, but you know, he definitely retired as a goat and he he, he deserves that that title. That was a quite a definitive way to end your career. Absolutely. I've been telling everybody Justin Gaethje was the guy for me. I thought he could have I for a moment there in that first round I'm like this this could be a good fight and shortly thereafter it's like nope those leg kicks man as like because i i coach mma and i'm 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 a former high school wrestling coach like i'm i'm a high a former uh wrestler i i really like justin's chances going into into that fight and i really said that if anybody is going to do it it's not going to be connor it's not going to be dustin it's going to be justin gagey yeah those leg kicks in the first round man they were hard heavy leg kicks man I think if he could have maybe added a couple more, then maybe he would have slowed the pace down. But the pace that Khabib puts on people, man, is unreal. And he just, it seems that the longer the fight goes, the more pressure he puts on. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you look back at the Ally Quinta fight, man, I mean, Al, Al is really the only person in these 29 fights that we've seen of, of Khabib. Well, I mean, we've not seen all 29 of them, but when he first right. came to the UFC, he's like, what, 13 and 0. So of these. Uh, these fights that we've seen in the UFC, Ally Aquinta is the guy that gave him the most trouble, and even then, Al got beat up. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I thought Al had a chance to to legitimately beat him when they first fought, um, but because Al was a very skilled, is a very skilled fighter, but it just he's on a different level. He's in, he's from a different planet. Absolutely, yeah. He's that's all you can say is he's from a different planet, man. Did you watch? Did you watch the fights uh, last night? Uh, I missed them. I've completely forgot they were on uh, they, they Halloween done a, and stuff like that. So. They done a very bad job marketing with these fights. I think. Yeah, it, and I understand part of it is because of you know the virus and they're over in uh, <clears throat> uh, where are they at? The, the Fight Island over in United Arab uh, Yeah. Emirates? Yeah, no, uh, they were actually in Vegas. Oh, they were in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, they were they were in Vegas, but I saw it. it being Anderson Silva's last dance, man. I just think it was very poor marketing uh, 
that yeah, side of things. I think that that fight should have had a lot more promo. Yeah. I did see that Dan had said he won't ever fight in the UFC again because he doesn't want him getting damaged. It's very sad when you see people like that stick around, man. But what really overshadowed the entire fight or the entire uh, program for me was Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely. That was a good-ass scrap. Was it? Man, Bryce Mitchell, thug nasty. That's one of my guys right there, man. <laughs> and I love Andre Feely, but, man, it was a scrap. It was very good. Bryce Mitchell ended up winning the, uh, the decision. But uh, Man, the UFC, I, I actually co-host a, a, a full MMA podcast uh, it's called Baseline MMA for anybody listening. Uh, I, I, I shout that shit out all the time. Um, but, man, it's it's a lot of fun right now being, like, an MMA analyst and even being an MMA coach because I'll tell you, so two weeks ago, uh, Brian Ortega had his, his return after two years. Did you watch that fight? That was – he he's definitely back, and he's back with a vengeance. Good Lord. Yes, he is, man. So <laughs> – I uh, I showed everybody the, the night before the fight uh, when I was teaching my Muay Thai class. I was showing everybody a spinning back elbow, and I told everybody, I said, "Yeah, the Korean zombie's probably gonna throw one." <laughs> Brian Ortega just came out and just hammered him with a spinning back elbow, and I ended up reteaching it on Monday. That spinning elbow. Yeah, that spinning elbow. It's such a fun time to be an MMA coach right now, man. <laughs> uh, what's it like being a wrestling coach right now in? like for high school uh or even just for youth right now are, are any of the, the younger kids watching uh mma and and like idolizing the people like khabib um not that i'm aware of uh i know that he's he's big with sambo so it's not necessarily wrestling per se um <clears throat> for me i coach in middle school so i'm really teaching them the the true basics and getting them ready for high school sprawl stuff the head yep <laughs> yeah the absolute basics is all I focus on. I've been lucky enough that I've had a couple of kids that, you know, have some experience. They've been wrestling for a couple of years and stuff like that. So <clears throat> it's a little easier when I have those kids that I can kind of lean on to help show the newer kids. But we haven't had and it doesn't look like we're going to have a season this year. I, uh, I coached youth wrestling in the town that I grew up in. And then I actually went back the year after I graduated and, and coached uh, varsity you know, high school wrestling. And at that point, I was involved with MMA, but it wasn't like it is now. But being, being in MMA now, uh, you know, most of the people that come in there and they want to learn wrestling, they know people like Khabib or they know people like... Uh, Cormier. Yeah, like Daniel Cormier or, or even Kevin Lee and, and Gregor Gillespie, you know, because they've, they've watched these people. Aaron Pico is a really good example uh, because they've watched these people. But being a youth coach, I've always I've wondered that if, if the youth is watching these these figures you know the khabibs and the dcs and, and they're uh wanting to to do that for a living or if they're even thinking about that you know well, i always you know kind of stress that i've asked you know the kids that i coach if they follow dfc and things like that and i got a few hand raises <clears throat> and i definitely point out the fact that the champions by and large are based in wrestling so I always preach wrestling as, you know, one of your premier it, it's skill sets. It, it's absolutely, you know, because now my main focus is Muay Thai. Like, I'm a striking coach. But, uh, you know, when, like when you wrestle, like you're always a wrestler. You know what I mean? You, oh, never, yeah. you never truly give it up. And I uh, had an amateur career that, that it was very similar to Justin Gaethje. I knew how to wrestle. I just chose not to. You know what I right. mean? Right. Um, 
but the, like you know the fact that I'm I'm very involved in striking I don't really get to to interact with um, I guess like the youth like the youth grappling side of right. things and when my daughter becomes of age you know because she's still very small but when she becomes of age to start doing little league and, and all that you know I'm sure uh, you know things will change and I'll I'll be you know right back to coaching little league wrestling you know but um, until yeah, that's, then that was kind of one of the things that got me into coaching in general I started coaching football years ago when my son was playing flag football he played a two years of flag and then he played one year of tackle and then he found hockey and I started coaching ice hockey and when he got into middle school I found out there was an opening and I started coaching wrestling at the same school that I started my wrestling career at so it's nice to kind of be able to get back to the community that I grew up in and um, I have fun with it I love the sport it's, it's there's so much that I've gotten from the sport to kind of make me who I am mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I just try and really convey that passion to the kids that I coach absolutely and it, and it feels good to give back to like to the community but not only to the community but to the kids man because uh, for a lot of these kids, like you're, like you're their structure. Like you're kind of like what's keeping them on the straight and narrow, and they just don't even realize it, you know. Yeah, and again, I, I attribute a lot of that to, to wrestling and what wrestling gives kids. I mean, there's discipline, there's there's uh, determination, there's being comfortable and the uncomfortable. There's you know fighting through adversity. There's just so much that wrestling gives people. I can just sit and, and gush on it for, for hours on end about it. But, you know, it just comes down to that. And, and I've always tried to convey the very basics to them. You know, control what you can control. You know, don't worry about who walks on the mat and what they look like. Look like, um, you know, go out, know what your game plan is and, and do your best to enforce it. The other big thing that I really stress with them, it's kind of two parts, is <clears throat> in regards to winning and losing, I always tell the kids that if you can walk off the mat and understand why you didn't have your hand raised, it's not a loss. You're either winning or you're learning. And on top of that, there are going to be days where you can go out there and execute your plan flawlessly, not do a single thing wrong, and still not win. And you just you have to be able to quickly pack that away and, and move on from it. I've said this a hundred times, man. I've I've said that same sentiment. I actually, I have a necklace right now that uh, my parents got me, and it says, you win or you learn on it. Yeah. And uh, I 100% believe that, man. And I was one of those kids, like, I was told at a young age, like, like hey, you're going to go to college, and it doesn't really matter what you go to college for, because then you're going to become an Olympian, and then, you know, this and that. And then when that stuff doesn't work out, like, you've got to realize, like, um, like you have to, you have to realize like winning isn't everything. Everything. Yeah, at that point. And that's to me I used to I used to get so mad when I was in high school, man, like my senior year. I, I only lost I think like four or five matches my senior year, but I would get so mad. Like I would walk off the mats, you know, and I was respectful, like I would shake the coach's hand, the kid's hand. Right. Like, and I would always like I'd go hug my mom and my dad, but then I would walk outside and I would just like like I would like kind of silently like cry to myself because like right. You know, it just hurt, like, losing. Yeah. And then I but, realized one day, like, I didn't lose anything. Like, I just learned something. Right. Something and, and that's, that I, that's yeah. to me, is a sign of a, of a, of a true competitor. 
Um, you know, you, you're clearly not happy. No, nobody likes losing. Nobody likes not winning. Um, but it's, it's how you compose yourself and, and carry yourself when you don't get the win. You know, and, I, and I think that you, one of the big things that I love about wrestling is the respect for your opponent and for the, the opposing coach. You know, every match starts with a handshake and ends with a handshake. A couple handshakes out, it ends with. But, you know, <clears throat> it, it teaches kids that they can really do a lot with little um, I think it teaches kids confidence and it instills humbleness. You know, I think there's very few sports where you have the humility that you get with wrestling. Um, you don't see it really in basketball. You don't really see it in football. It's kind of like all ego. You know, I'm the greatest on the team. I think one of the things that I love about wrestling is the fact that it's a team sport. But during the actual competition aspect of it, it's just you on the mat with one other person. Yeah, you got the whole team and you got the whole crowd cheering for you, but it's just you and the other person. So if you don't get your hand rose, you know, you have to look into yourself and go, why didn't it happen? Why didn't it work for me? Why didn't I win? <clears throat> Whereas other sports, you know. You can always football. blame it. You can blame, oh, you know, the quarterback didn't throw the ball well enough for me. The receiver didn't catch you know, the line didn't block for me. You know, so-and-so missed the tackle. You can, you can, you can shuck the blame to elsewhere. And that, even in hockey, I absolutely love hockey. It is my second favorite sport. But you can kind of say, oh, well, you know, the goaltender didn't have a great game or, you know, the offense was just not there today. <clears throat> the Zamboni didn't clean the ice. <laughs> didn't cut the ice right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's always ways that you can kind of you can shuck the blame. You really don't see that in hockey. Um, it's always we, 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 not me, me, me. And you don't really see that in a lot of the other sports. Um, wrestling is just one of those things that it's, it is a me, me, me because it truly is you. I didn't perform well enough. I didn't execute well enough. <clears throat> um, and it you know, teaches kids how to deal with that loss and be humbled the, the mentality that there's always a bigger badder person out there regardless of how good you are you know there, there's always somebody looking around the corner that's going to wipe the mat with you yep. and i was a mediocre wrestler at best i spent most of my time counting holes in the ceiling tile <laughs> but right. i just love this i just love the sport one of my favorite things to uh to always tell the younger kids is don't get caught counting the ceiling tile <laughs> My uh, my coach used to always praise my my neck strength. Yeah. I had a hell of a bridge. Yeah, yeah, a good a good bridge will go a long way in wrestling. People don't realize it. Yeah, I, I didn't get pinned very many times, but you know, I had a couple wins. <laughs> I tell you, I've I tell I tell my Muay guys my gosh I can't even speak. I tell my Muay Thai guys all the time. Uh, nobody ever wants to get knocked out, but but when you get knocked out, you learn something more than if you go out there and win in like a seven second Conor McGregor Jose Aldo kind of moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> or um, even worse, the uh, um, yeah. Now I'm drawing the blank on it. Um, Askren. And oh yeah, Yeah. I mean, first of all, you asked for that. You, you bull rushing somebody like that with your head down, you deserve everything you get. 
Yeah, that was not a not a very good look for us wrestlers that day. <laughs> yeah, me boasting about the you know uh, the champions are all based in, with a wrestler uh, wrestling background, and he goes and does something like that. And I thought he was, you know, he he talked a good game. He was he was really good. He used his wrestling very well to control his, his uh, opponents, but that game. Uh, you don't bum rush somebody with your head down. No, and your arms extended too. <laughs> oh yeah, with that, oh, yeah. no no defense whatsoever. I mean, your face defended the knee very well <laughs> while you were while you were unconscious. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I I can't shit on Ben because I I love Ben <laughs> so much, man. But that was just an an idiotic game plan. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, Mike, I do not want to keep you very long, man. I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with me tonight. No worries. Uh, before I let you go, where can people find you? And uh, I'm kind of rolling out the red carpet and, and giving you the, the moment to kind of uh, tell the viewers anything that you might have going on, might have coming up, or just leave them with a message. Um, I'll just kind of make it short and sweet. You can uh, find my podcast, Adding Context, at pretty much any of the, the big podcast consumption places, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google, Stitcher, um, pretty sure we're pretty much everywhere you get one. Um, and I'm just looking for engaging with people and, and, you know, having fun and talking to people, just learning about their life experience and showing that we truly are one human race as kind of dopey as that sounds. It's, it's kind of my thought process is we need to show that we are more alike than different. I think we do that and we can get ourselves going on a better trajectory i love it brother i love it for real man um everybody go check out mike's podcast called adding context uh once again as always brought to you by phonesoap.com go to phonesoap.com and use promo code takedown for 20 percent off of your order black friday's coming up everybody remember that uh, also check out quicksesh.io for all of your computer troubles if you're looking for a new jujitsu gi go to future kimonos the link is in our bio and also check out game up nutrition for all your cbd needs the link is also in the bio once again mike I've, i very greatly appreciate you sir i appreciate you having me on